Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, just across the way, just right here, actually. I'm right here. Is Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, except for elections, and uh, which is okay, because most of us don't even know anything about elections and how they work and Mm-mm. when they end and how they start and how do you vote. No one knows any of that, so it's, you're in the same boat as you're just like everyone else. I know, I know. Aren't you proud? I feel great to be just like everyone else and not knowing what the heck is going to go on. Um, I mean, just to clarify, you were still going with Trump, you know, it was a few days ago. I'm still and, holding and on to that. I said Biden, you know. I think now, I do now think Biden's going to win, but I'm still <laughs> yeah. holding on to the slim possibility that somehow Trump pulls pulls us out of his arse. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, with lightning bolts. <laughs> you know, uh, everyone's going insane right now. I'm trying to not go insane about everything that's going on. I haven't on. seen any election news today. So I I literally have been heads down all day is what we call it. And um, I haven't seen anything. So catch me up. Well, the media has gone nuts. Uh, and especially if you follow Twitter at all. Uh, you know, hope to God that Twitter is not representation of actual reality. I don't really think it is. But if you follow Twitter, things like Trump coup or things like that are trending. Basically, going along with the media right now, Trump is attempting a coup. And that that's just, you know, the, the election was last Tuesday. And we had a lot of very close states. And regardless of whether or not anything comes out from this, this is, this is not yet ridiculous that we're trying to clarify and do recounts and do stuff like that. Yeah. It's not there yet. It's not a coup. Now, for sure. on uh, on January 20th, if Trump is is holed up in the Oval Office with his two most favorite Secret Service agents and they got the door blocked by a chair with an assault rifle with in assault, both arms, with assault rifles, <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that, then then in that case, I think we need to, to talk about that. But I don't really think that that's going to happen. Um and I saw Marisha said that uh, Matt from Wealth, Power, and Influence is still very confident about Trump winning. I still, huh. I to, like I said, did I say this yesterday, the day before? Um, the the entire fact that Biden did his speech and is acting at the office of the president-elect, which is like assistant to the regional manager on the office, uh, the office of the president-elect out there doing all this stuff, that actually made me feel more confident that Trump was going was actually going to win. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I think statistically, there's not a large chance that that's actually going to happen. Uh, I, I'm not really sure. What do you think? Do you think he's going to pull it off? I'm trying to figure out how many eligible voters are in the U S because this isn't, this is absolutely insane. How many votes have come in? It's quite so a I'm, few. I'm just not looking at it. Biden up to 77,400,000, which is 12 million more vote votes for the Democrat party than last than 2016. Quite a bit. And then Trump's at 72,266,000, which is about 10 million more votes. So that's... So we're at 150 million people voting? Yeah, over 150 million people voting. That's and a the, lot. So what's how many How many are eligible? I don't know. Well, we'll see. You know, they're going to go through the courts. They're going to figure out as much as they can. No complaining or whatever that we do is going to help sway that process whatsoever. Uh, they're going to have to 
do all the lawyering and all of that stuff on their own. So I'm trying not to be stressed about that. There's about um, 246 million Americans over the age of 18, 18 or older. Okay. So there was so, still available another 100 million people that could have voted. And so in 2016, there were 245 million Americans ages 18 and older, and about 157.6 million of whom reported being registered to vote, according to the Census Bureau. Um, and so out of 157 million who were registered uh, in 2016, they got, what, 130 million? Yeah. So I wonder how many registered this year, considering we have 152 million votes cast. Probably quite a few. And we know there's going to be some dead people voting, all kinds of stuff like that. That happens all the time. I don't know if it's going to be enough to sway the election. Yeah. I think what's going to be important is if they find out that that software that was being used actually missed a lot of votes or something like that. Um, well, that Dominion? Yeah. Well, we'll see. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. The answer is I don't know and I don't have any control. But over. I mean, that's used in over 30 states. Yes, I think so. I think it's used in a few. It's used. It's used in a few. So I wanted to first maybe, off, maybe I won't be wrong. That's why I'm sticking with. I mean, <laughs> that's what I vote a long time. I mean, that's what I that's what I bet on. Yeah. Yeah. So you're sticking with it. I'm going to stick with it, obviously, until it's over. I was going to read something that I wrote today just a little bit. So it's an article. It's an article from GoodMorningLiberty.us. And we saw the speech from Joe Biden. A lot of people have talked about this, but I don't know if you saw any of his stuff, Charlie. He was talking about unity, bringing uh, the country course, together. Yes. The country is unified. And of course, everyone's coming out there saying, we just got to get over this. We just got to push past it. Um, everyone needs to get over it like the people on the left did in 2016 and, and all that good stuff. Um, now that the right person's in office, <laughs> now we can all come together. Yeah, the election system is perfect. There's no fraud whatsoever. Yeah. There's no collusion with anyone. There's there's there was nothing actually. It was it was perfect. Mm -hmm. Is what happened. Uh, if anything, Biden should have won by more. You know, the, so there actually probably was fraud, but it was on the Republican side. Yeah. And they just didn't didn't do a good enough job. Yeah, of course. So they're talking about unity. And listen, I want unity. Uh, unity. unity, you know, I, I want that mm -hmm. for sure. Cold bloody, <laughs> but does does the left actually want unity? That was actually my my question. And no, they want conformity. Yeah, they want conformity. That's exactly. what they want. Yeah. So let me. I wrote a, an article called "The Left's The Left's Hollow Call for Unity." That's hard to say with a lisp, isn't it? It's a very Difficult. Which is why you typed it out. Yeah, which is why I don't like the left, because they make me say things <laughs> that could make me lisp too much. In case you're wondering what Nate was saying, y'all, he said the title of this article is The Left's Hollow <laughs> Still, Call for Unity. The it's left's. difficult. We got to have a strong DSer on this episode. <laughs> Stronger than normal, for sure. So I said, according to Joe Biden, we now magically live in a united republic immediately following the most contentious election in recent memory. Don't get me wrong. I want the country to unite. I want the political fighting to cease. I want those in the government to stop cooking up new ways to control my life. I, I want that too. First off, do you think anyone on the left would be singing this tune if Donald Trump had won a narrow victory last week? No, not even close. In fact, they'd all be busy calling for recounts, ballot audits, blaming Russia, and starting as many lawsuits as possible. They'd be calling our entire election system a fraud, and Donald Trump would continue to be an illegitimate president in their eyes. Luckily for them, it looks like Biden will take the Oval Office. We'll see. And since their guy is likely to be in power, they are ready to unify the nation. <laughs> There's just one problem with that. What does unity look like to those on the left? 
Unity does not mean the same to both sides. To me, unity means that we all accept each other as we are. We all accept that we have major political differences on everything from economics to compelled speech. My idea of unity is that I don't care about the views of other people so long as they do not attempt to force those views on others. We all have the same ultimate goals in life, and we, which are to create the best lives for ourselves and our families. My views are an option for others, meaning I don't have to force my free market views on you. If you'd like to start a company and distribute all the earnings equally among the workers, I say go ahead. You're free to live your life and conduct your business in the way you want, so long as the workers are not forced to be there. If you'd like to take your earnings and divide them equally between yourself and those in your community, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. This unfortunately does not go both ways. The left cannot exist without forcing their views on others. If there is a free market that exists, it must be destroyed. If there is a human being that does not use proper Woke Dictionary November 2020 edition, they must be cast out of our polite and unified society. Unity to the radical left means as long as you do exactly as I want without complaining or asking questions, we are unified. I say again, the radical left does not want unity with you. They want unity with the new woke version of you that they have created after you bow down to their wishes. Nothing about their rhetoric says they'll be accepting of someone who thinks differently. They will not be unified with a capitalist. They will not be unified with a black person that refuses to vote Democrat. They will not be unified with a woman who isn't excited about Kamala Harris being the VP. They will not be united with a Trump supporter. They will not be united with those who defend the police when they need defended, or those who reject the idea of rampant racism destroying our country, or those who think climate change is not the biggest problem facing the world. Do not fall for their hollow cries for unity. It only gives them the upper hand in their constant pursuit of the moral high ground. Retake the moral high ground. Say, yes, I will unify with you, as long as you accept that we have differing opinions on major issues. And that's okay as long as neither of us try to force our views on one another. If you get a positive response from that, then you probably weren't talking to a radical leftist in the first place. Until next time, find more thoughts from us on the GML pie. Oh, that's that's just a little advertisement I put down there in the back uh, end of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, that's pretty that's, good. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. to direct the people. So over. what do you think, man? What should I add into that? No, I thought that was great and, and, uh, you know, really well laid out. And, you know, that's what I've been seeing around is that every, you know, everyone's saying now's the time for unity, uh, accept what's going on and let's all come together behind Biden and create a better country, you know, as if the, the, the left, not even just the left, but as if Democrats in general did that with, with president Trump. Yeah. And look, I'm again, not a fan of the guy. You know, he did several things I don't like, which I've listed out several times on this podcast. Go listen to it. Okay. This isn't a, this isn't a Trumpite. Uh, you know, this isn't a, the, this isn't turning point USA. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm not a, a Trumpian. Um, but th- there was no, there was no gracious assumption for what Trump was going to do or what he did whatsoever. Even if he did something that the left would agree on, like, forcing hospitals to display their prices come January 2021, uh, forcing drug companies to lower the price of insulin. Uh, uh, ushering in peace deals between uh, Israel and UAE and other countries in the Middle yeah. East. Setting or, up $500 billion <laughs> for a black fund, essentially, for African-Americans <laughs> yeah. and black people to yeah. to prop up their businesses. You know, lowering the the black unemployment rate. It doesn't matter what he did. There was nothing. It was, it was all some kind of Russian conspiracy behind it. 
And they constantly pursued. In fact, they even impeached the guy uh, and that, that fell, obviously, because they didn't control the Senate, which I wonder if they had control of the Senate, if they would have tried to impeach him anyway. I think they did it as kind of a like, hey, we can do this because we know it's not going to be confirmed. Kind of like, uh, kind of like how Republicans uh, voted to repeal Obamacare. Yeah. Like <laughs> when they 15 had 15 times when, when they, they had control. Yeah. When they knew Obama wasn't going to sign it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So y'all, I mean. This is all well and good, and and you know I I also am about unity. I wish we would stop seeing some of the discourse, uh, or the, the 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 divisiveness that we see right now. And that's one reason why we started, you know, the the Rehumanize Project, which by the way you can listen to on this on this thread, on this podcast thread. So that's why we started that because the divisiveness is just out of control, and I do have a slight fear of violence breaking out. But at the same time, the left has to realize that there's going to be some some backlash mm-hmm. for what happened over the last four years, not only from Democrats themselves, but from almost the entire media. It was a nonstop barrage of of attacks on the president uh, because they didn't want him there to begin with. And they couldn't actually, you know, those uh, what's the, the is it five stages of grief? Yeah. I mean, they spent four years in the first stage of yeah. denial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they still were thinking they were going to wake up the next day and Hillary Clinton would be president. It wouldn't be Trump. Like it was still a dream to them. They they barely even moved on to anger. <laughs> they could. Yeah. I mean, some of them did. And most of them were still just in denial. And they it were was actually an amalgam of the two. Actually. <laughs> yeah, it was. it was denial and anger all at the same time. It was anger about the denial. Yeah. <laughs> they never actually moved on. Yeah. No. And so, <laughs> you know. It's very, uh, it's very frustrating. And then, you know, who's going to turn the other cheek? I think the, I think Republicans are tired of turning the other cheek. Mm-hmm. That's why they voted in Trump, by the way, because he was a guy who was going to hit back. Yeah. And he did. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget the first time he said fake news. I'll never forget him <laughs> saying, if I were president, you'd be in jail yes. to Hillary. <laughs> I mean, I think that right there is what. I mean, which that, he never put crazy. her in jail. He didn't put her in jail. Yeah. No. So he didn't are you guys it. shocked? By that? <laughs> um, I wanted you to go over this Bernie Sanders tweet right here. This is actually. Well, first, I don't think you told the people to subscribe to this wonderful podcast. I didn't. And we didn't mention the fact that it's Veterans Day. It is right now. So thank you to all the wonderful troops out there. Even though this is a libertarian podcast, we are we are in very much uh, in. Uh, I don't know. Just a lot of. Uh, I don't know. I feel humbled that there are people that would go risk their lives for for me. I mean, you're wearing your armed you. forces entertainment. And my armed forces entertainment hat. Uh-huh. On. Yeah, I, I'm very. I don't know. I'm, well, we I'm su- very gracious. we support the people in the military. The people. Yeah. Do I support the uh, the agenda? The DOD? No. Mm-mm. No. Although I do thank them for all the money that came with his hat. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> I do appreciate those tax dollars. Back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think that was a problem. Yeah, no, it, thing. Um, my, I mean, my entire family pretty much served. Uh, uh, even my grandmother was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. She, she worked at the, uh, she worked at the Pentagon. Interestingly enough, uh, my grandpa, both grandparents, both my grandparents uh, retired Navy, both grandpas. So that's pretty cool. And uh, so, yeah, I have a lot of veterans in my family. And so, uh, happy Veterans Day! Yeah. And yesterday was the Marines' birthday. Yeah, by the way, and that brings up my my uh, brother. brother who mm-hmm. was in the Marines. Actually, just got out. He served his six years. And, really uh, out now. I feel like it was 
Yeah, just yesterday he was off to boot camp. I feel like I remember when he was born. So it's overall <laughs> really weird that he just finished six years in yeah, the Marines. Yeah. <laughs> and he listens to the show. So Drew, Drew, thank you. Yes. Thank you for your service. We appreciate it. <laughs> all right. So and subscribe to this podcast mm -hmm. because uh, this is where you can get all the best commentary on Liberty. <laughs> yep. This is the spot. Um, up next, is, is this, are we going to introduce a little bit of dumb bleep? Well, this isn't dumb bleep, actually. What oh, I okay. decided I would do is, so Bernie tweeted a couple things over the last couple of days that I agreed with most of. Oh. And I thought that we would just be consistent and not just political partisan hacks. And when he says something that I think is agreeable, which uh, he's been tweeting about criminal justice and about ending the wars, things like that, then we might as well... Uh, give the devil his due, <laughs> as they say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now I don't know about when the he goes from, when he goes from egregious to agreeable. Yes, <laughs> we have to highlight those as well. New episode, egregious to agreeable. Right, it's too many, too hard for lisping today. So this and, is yeah. uh, this is old BS tweeting out. He says we must end U.S. support for the unauthorized, unconstitutional, and disastrous Saudi-led war in Yemen. The, uh, the suffering people there do not need more bombs. They need more jobs, food, and health care. Now, we can take a lesson, by the way, because this right here is a policy and a tweet. It is. We could have been tweeting out. I know. So. I know. That's good. We could have tweeted that, except for, I mean, they do need all those things. Now, if you are starving right now. I'm actually and, shocked he put unconstitutional in here. That is crazy. It is yeah. Very surprising. Considering most of what he says is, is unconstitutional. <laughs> Almost everything he says. He got this one right, though. Yeah. And you know what? I have my pocket constitution right here. <laughs> so I could... Pulling uh, out the pocket constitution. It's right here. I keep it next to me. Yeah. And I, if you know, if I wanted to find the things about war in here, I'd, yeah. I'd be able to find it. Which it says, Congress has the power to declare war. And they can appropriate money for war for two years. That's it. So tell me how we've been in a war for 20 years. Years. By the way, that is also why Congress has two-year terms at the at the same time. Yeah, and they can only appropriate. They thought the founders thought that war was the biggest detriment to liberty, the worst thing for liberty that there could possibly be. So a lot especially of especially perpetual yes warfare. A, a lot of the things in the Constitution were based around making sure that we didn't go to war or that we didn't have perpetual mm -hmm. war. And so a lot of like like Congress voting to go to war and they could only uh, appropriate the money for two years. And also congressmen could only stay in power for two years, meaning they would put another backstop in there that possibly new congressmen could come in. And if the war was that important, they'd have to vote again to keep the war going. Different people would have to vote again to keep and the, the war people, going. If the people didn't like the war, they, they could, would vote out their representatives. Exactly. Yeah. Can you I mean, these people. In, in the 1700s, created this amazing magic thing that has worked. That doesn't work. That <laughs> listen, it, it compared to a lot of other constitutions, it has worked really well. That is true. Uh, so uh, I think it's pretty good for, for, for way back when. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't even Google things to see how to spell it or anything like that, you know? <laughs> They didn't. They couldn't type it out. They couldn't type it in the text message to let autocorrect fix it, so they could figure that out. No, you know. <laughs> so good job, Bernie. I, I think that's a good one. Yeah. Now, jobs, food, and healthcare. He says is something that they need. He said those in pretty good order, by the way. Jobs is one of the first things that you need. You need to be able to be productive in your society, mm -hmm. and that way you can 
produce things like food. That would be good. You need to be able to do that. And then after all that, you can end up with good health care. You know, but one important thing to, to remember is the people laying in the rubble in Yemen are not upset about, uh, you know, pre-existing conditions or anything like right. that. Their existing <laughs> condition is that they need food right. for, for tomorrow. And, and so or they don't want a bomb <clears throat> to drop on their, yeah, they don't, on their other brother. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They're not really worried about whether Medicare for all is the right solution right yeah. now. Um, so I had to, I want to make sure that we remain principled and consistent overall. Uh, so I picked out an article to call out from the free thought project.com, which is a uh, pretty libertarian overall. Uh, it, it is. And I actually, I tweeted this to them. Uh, that this was pretty misleading. But who do you think would come up with this headline or this kind of tweet? Money spent by both parties in the 2020 election could have nearly ended homelessness in the United States. Now, if I had, if I didn't know the rest of this, <clears throat> yeah. I would say that was Bernie Sanders again. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I said to them. I said, this sounds like a Bernie Sanders tweet. Yeah. And because it is insanely misleading. Think about ended homelessness. Now, you could take the people that are homeless off of the street for a little bit currently, the current people that are homeless, but it's not just those same people that are homeless all the time. So let me, let me read some of what they said. We'll basically brush over this. Um, you know, they're obviously not fans of Biden or Trump. It's a pretty libertarian organization. They spent 2020 election nearly reached the historic $14 billion. Dollars. Jesus. Overall, b between everyone. According to OpenSecrets.org, a political funding watchdog, Democratic candidates and groups have spent $6.9 billion compared to $3.8 billion for Republicans. Democrat spending falls to $5.5 billion when excluding spending by billionaire presidential candidates Michael Bloomberg and Tom Steyer. Um, I don't know where the rest of the money comes in because they did say $14 billion. As billions of dollars poured into campaigns for people to rule you, thinks the COVID-19 mandates, like I said, it's pretty libertarian, Millions of Americans slid into poverty and the homeless population skyrocketed. Instead of helping those in need, Americans got a one-time $1,200 check and were told to kick rocks as tyrannical governors forced them out of work. Uh, according to an estimate by the Department of Housing and Urban Development, it would cost $20 billion to end homelessness. Obviously, there are many facets to ending widespread homelessness. So they do admit this right after that. The Department of Housing and Urban Development says that $20 billion could end homelessness. For a day? Just all, it, all that is, is you take the people that are homeless right now. About how many people are homeless, Nate? Uh, it is, I think, 500,000. Okay. Around that. And you give them, you divide the $20 billion out between them. And then none of those people are currently homeless right then. They're not homeless anymore. But what happens, what about the people after them? And what about the people the following year and the following year after that? So saying in... There's a revolving door of homelessness. Yes, it's not the same people. There are people who are chronically homeless, but like, there are a lot of people who become homeless. Like right now, you're not homeless. I'm not. Yeah. I could become homeless. You could be. And yes. if someone ended homelessness right now, I wouldn't get any money. But if I became homeless tomorrow, then we would not have ended homelessness because all the current people today got the homeless money. And then I become homeless tomorrow. And here I am just being homeless. Right. 
And you haven't done enough bad things to lose your job, <laughs> not, so you're not going to be homeless not, yet. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. So I figured you could end homelessness for you know for 25 million. Yeah. Yeah. I, I figured 20 billion dollars. By the way, I mean that's the government spends that in what a day and a half. Because think about this: this. you have about <laughs> 500 thousand people on average every day that are homeless. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you average out across the nation for a relatively Skanky hotel room. It's 50 bucks a night. Yeah. Okay. 25 million, $25 million a day. So however many days you want to end homelessness for, you could put them up in a hotel. Probably could. Yeah. So we could end homelessness and declare victory for a day. Yeah. <laughs> but it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't simply just be the money that was spent on the election and then homelessness would be ended. Exactly. That's, that's so ridiculous. And this is coming from a mostly libertarian website. And what bothers me are the misleading headlines, the Bernie Sanders-esque headlines. Yeah. That's what bothers me from it. So like, I want to could have ended up on dumb blink. It could have. Yeah. It literally, if you would have told me that this was a tweet from Bernie Sanders and it was a Huffington Post article, we would have put it in dumb bleep of the week. So maybe it should still be in there, even though it's from the Free Thought Project. Mm -hmm. So sorry, guys. All right. This sorry. coming from the Blaze. Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> uh, well, first, do we have any ads? Yes. Okay. So before I get to Glenn's the Blaze, are are you having a Blaze in your mind? Uh, because, <laughs> because if you are, maybe you need to talk to someone. <laughs> the good news is that's a heck of a transition. Right <laughs> the there. good news is there are people you can talk to and you can do that by going to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash GML. These folks are fantastic. Trust me, I use this service every single week when I talk to my counselor. You can uh, message them on the app. You can set up a phone call. You can also do a video chat. It is the new age and the better way to do uh, therapy. And you can do it online, basically through an app on your phone. And it's absolutely fantastic. So if you guys want to save 10% on uh, taking care of your mental health, which you should do. And as I say, I do it. I actually use, I use this exact link, by the yeah. way. I'm going to tell you that much. So BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash GML. Sign up, take care of your mental health. It's going to help every other aspect of your life. Trust me, it is, uh, it's not a shame to talk. There is no shame mm -mm. in talking to someone. Get, nope. your, get your brain nope. in the right orders, folks. Betterhelp.com slash GML, betterhelp.com slash GML. Go sign up, save 10% off your first month. Tell me just a little bit about what's going on in Minneapolis. So, as I said, this is coming from The Blaze. Thanks, Glenn. What a nice guy. <laughs> He's so nice giving us this article today. <laughs> Minneapolis City Council trashed cops and threatened to defund them. As crime rises, they're forced to outsource for police. Hmm. <laughs> wow, this is weird. Hang on a second. I need a, I need a sip of this non-sponsor Coke Zero. I'll do it too. Mm. <sighs> yeah. It's so, so the, good once it hits your lips. Mm, it's so good. It goes down, down into yeah. my belly. Mm-mm. In the wake of the death of George Floyd in late May, the Minneapolis City Police loudly and proudly declared it was time to defund the police. Sorry, Minneapolis City Council loudly and proudly declared it was time to defund the police. The emotional calls to gut city law enforcement were echoed with anti-police protests and riots in many uh, Minnesota's Twin Cities that eventually spread across the nation. The council promised the city's anti-police citizens that they would dismantle the city's policing systems. 
Then, in June, the council voted unanimously to adopt a resolution officially committing to replace the Minneapolis Police Department with a community safety model. (laughs) The city's council moves and the defund the police crowd's demands were successful in cutting the number of police. They were so successful, in fact, that in September, as crime was spiking in Minneapolis, members of the city council were demanding to know, where are the police? (laughs) I hate it when that happens. I know. When you you do what you said you were going to do, as a as a government official, which is get rid of the police, yeah, and then there aren't any. I mean, it, where'd they go? If uh, we honestly, just thought the police would always be there, yeah, it's like when the one percent leave. Oh yeah, well, we just thought where'd the rich people go? Where'd they go? I thought they were supposed they were going to pay the taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Minneapolis Police Chief Medaria uh, Rando Arandando. Sorry, Arandando. I can't roll my R's. Arr. Mm-mm. Told them exactly why, uh, where they were. Gone. Gone. When Arredondo explained to the council that its actions had repercussions, he noted that more than 100 officers had left the department, which is more than double the usual number. I'm surprised more didn't leave, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I think I would have turned in my badge. In October, several residents sued the city over insufficient <laughs> policing. <laughs> that has left them fearing. If this wasn't serious, it would be funnier. Yeah, I uh, know. It's still funny. This is it's, me laughing at it being serious. If right. it wasn't serious, I'd be, have a hard time not crying right now. That left them fearing for their safety as violent crime has surged. The lawsuit also claimed that there are now fewer officers employed in the MPD than what is required by the city <laughs> charter. So when when leftism goes wrong. Yeah. So what will the city council do? The Minneapolis Star Tribune reported Monday night that the anti-police mayor and city council are looking at bringing in officers from other jurisdictions to help the MPD take on the crime wave and cop shortage. The plan would pull in cops from the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office and Metro Transit Police for temporary work with the city, mostly responding to violent 911 calls using joint enforcement teams, the Star Tribune said. According to the paper, the plan teams would form Sunday and run through the end of the year. The seven-week contract policing plan would cost the city (laughs) $497,000. The vote on the plan is expected to happen Friday to be sent to the mayor for approval, this news organization said. So, Good Lord. (laughs) $500,000 they're going to pay? For seven weeks. For seven weeks. And that's not just... That's not for all of their policing. That's for the extra people they're going to be bringing from other jurisdictions. They'll still be paying for their policing they have right now on top of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. Jeff it, said that his grandpappy always said, you reap what you put in the ground to harvest, man. That's that is exactly mm-hmm. well, that mind said the same thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, what they're just I, reaping what they planted. What I hope to read at the end of this was that they pulled in some private policing and that they were going to do that kind of thing. But no, they're, they're going to be taking policing from, from other cities that are paying for those police to be policing their cities. Uh, probably people working overtime or something like that, I, I would say. And if I was police, you know, if I was in the service, I would do this for the extra money. Yeah. Although yeah. they're the ones that are going to be answering the violent 911 calls. <laughs> Not the only internal. The, we're going to use these external police. Oh. This, so... <laughs> It's just, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, what, what did they, they what did you they expect? Think? It's now, ridiculous. I'm all for, for privatizing the police. That's for sure. I, th- I think that there is a model that can work where communities can get together and pay a certain amount of month, uh, money for month, 
per month. Um, and like, you know, maybe the company that, that is, that is offering those security services would give you a discount for having like a home alarm system or something, mm, mm, you know? So mm. like different things that you can do to lower your bill. So they would also have a deal with Amazon who owns ring and Amazon would partially be paying for some of their services because they would give a discount for people who have ring doorbell systems. Exactly. Also, or See, ring alarm systems. Work? Yeah. Oh, and I only, I only figured that out because I just had to get uh, some insurance on a couple different things. And they were like, do you have a home alarm system? And I it literally saved me. I was only going to say like 20 bucks a month. Nice. It's really good. That's pretty so, good, man. Um, so yeah, if you come to my house, I have a, I do have an alarm system that'll notify me to get my uh, safe open, my bedside safe, which <laughs> opens really quickly. Just a little thumbprint. Just yeah. <laughs> so, um, cause I'm a heavy sleeper. Yeah. I'm not even sure if the alarm will wake me up. It I wouldn't. should test it actually. No, it wouldn't. Luckily I have a lady who sleeps next to me who will wake up to the drop of a feather. Yeah. On the ground. Just have to punch you in the face until you wake up. Probably <laughs> she will. Okay, moving on. So we talked yesterday in the uh, the episode that never was. It was a big mess. Only the Patreon group got to hear. Yes, it, which and gives perks, by the way, to the Patreon group. Yeah, it so does. It does. All of you listening to the regular old podcast, you didn't get to hear yesterday's episode and and the debacle that my internet was <laughs> because <laughs> it didn't turn out that we could actually salvage an episode from that. So only the people on the live group got to hear uh, a partial discussion. I tried for four hours yesterday to to edit the episode, and I could not put together even like a 30-minute coherent conversation. It was yeah. terrible. It was so terrible. So anyway, we talked a lot about healthcare yesterday. The one, the one thing I wanted to say was the Supreme Court came out and said that they are willing to leave Obamacare in place. All they're really going to do is keep the individual mandate from coming back into place. So we still won't have to worry about the individual mandate, but they are not going to strike down the entire law. And <clears throat> it was really interesting why they said they were going to do this. And <laughs> it's based me, on precedent. It calls out, it really calls out Republicans, in my opinion, because what it was Kavanaugh or Roberts said, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh said was that, they voted on this in 2017. The Republicans were in control at that time, by the way. They had two years where they were in control of the House, the Senate, and the presidency. They voted on this in 2017. They removed the individual mandate. The House voted to remove the individual... Well, they voted to reduce the individual mandate down to zero dollars, which is removing the individual mandate without having to actually remove it. And what Kavanaugh said was, uh, we are not here to make new laws when Congress voted on Obamacare, if they wanted to remove it as a law, then they would have done that. And so obviously, they did not want to remove this, and we're not going to legislate from the bench. That is me paraphrasing him. Essentially. Essentially. What he said was that it's not our job to legislate. The legislators got together. They had some votes on Obamacare, and they did not remove it. They did not repeal it. And so we are not going to do it either. And we talked about why that's kind of a good argument and kind of a bad argument, you know? Right. Because they are supposed to decide whether or not stuff is constitutional. And the fact that Congress didn't remove something that is that is potentially unconstitutional is not basis for it being constitutional. Right. <laughs> and, you know, the Supreme Court yeah. is, you know, in the Constitution, by the way, mm -hmm. they are to rule on matters which are made federal. While the, the federal government decided to make health care a federal issue, so that, you know, in my view, 
damn the precedent that's set. You should decide whether or not the fact that the federal government can have any say over healthcare whatsoever is constitutional or not. Yeah. And it clearly isn't. Clearly is not. I call it, well, I call it lazy. It's like lazy judging. I hate precedent. I hate it. Because it's like anything that is similar to this, well, we, well we're just not going to spend our time on it. We, we already ruled on this. You know what? There's different people in here. But it doesn't mean that what happened previously was right for sure. We can have a new vote on it. We can have a new conversation about it. I think precedent's generally kind of a lazy thing overall. So, so anyway, I, we don't have to go too much into that. There's a couple interesting conversations here. We can tackle this thing from fee.org, which is five ways to make health insurance great again. <laughs> make health insurance mahika is, is what, <laughs> what that would say. Uh, but Biden was out there defending Obamacare. You know, didn't want that to sound bad. And there was a comment on this. I was going to put it in dumb bleep of the week. But since we were talking about health care a little bit, I wanted to put this. It says, to the Supreme Court and all Americans, I ask, what price is a human life? How can anyone place a price tag on the pursuit of life? One of the very tenets that we were founded on, that is true right to life. It is precious and without measure. The cost should be zero. Now, there's a couple things in there that don't make any sense, but what they are basically well, it getting... sounds that sounds so good. It did sound good. Mm-hmm. So Cookie. Kudos to Cookies Week on Twitter for sounding good. Yeah. Good job. But the problem is that the that there are trade-offs in society, money as... Oh, Nate, stop. I'm sorry. That yeah. is just mansplaining. I know. And you are... It's health-splaining is what it is. You I'm are healthy. health-splaining. Yeah. You are full of deceit <laughs> yeah. and hate and mm-hmm. bigotry. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I can't stand it. I don't want it in my room. And so the thing about it is, Nate, is I, I think about this the same way as food. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it should, the cost should be zero. Should be zero. Because if you don't have food, then you would die. So that is really a health problem. That's the anyway. true right to life as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same thing with housing. Yeah. And, um, you know, honestly, vehicles. I mean, people should have a, an electric vehicle to get around that's good for the environment. Because the right to life, how can you live life without being able to travel freely? Well, you can't go to the doctor if you don't have that car. Exactly. You can't go to your checkups and stuff like that. No. So you got to have a right to that. Yeah. And everybody should have a right to the internet. Mm-hmm. Because how are you supposed to look up things on WebMD and self-diagnose yourself? <laughs> yeah, I found out I had elbow cancer the other day, man. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. On and WebMD. How are you, you going to not figure that out if you didn't have a cell phone with connection to the interwebs? I, I don't even know what you just said. I wouldn't, though. I wouldn't have. See, you wouldn't. And so (laughs) that's, you know, to me, to me, that's how I feel about the situation. Don't ask how it's going to be done. (laughs) I know. It doesn't matter how. doesn't matter how. Yeah. What matters is the feeling behind it. Exactly. And and that, you know, it is, that's an important feeling. The problem, here's the deal. Look, here's the deal. (laughs) (laughs) Look, man. Um, there are trade-offs in society when it comes to money, and we cannot just have an unlimited amount of money. A lot of different societies have done that. So what I would want to do is make sure that we don't go down the path that they did in crazy inflation. So that means that there is a limited supply of money. And and that means that there are trade-offs for that money. So for instance, uh, what price is a human life? That's the same thing when that they say, say with COVID. And you say, well, if it's a if it's a trillion dollars to save one person's life, 
is it worth it? And that's a very, very difficult question. Very difficult. Because what happens when you remove that trillion dollars from wherever it was to begin with? How many people potentially died from removing that trillion dollars? And so there, there are numbers. So actuaries put numbers on this. People who work for life insurance companies put numbers on this. People who sue people when people are death, de dead, wrongful death lawsuits and stuff. They put numbers on it. Uh, so there are numbers that get put on human lives. And oh, when you get injured, they put a number on it. They do. Yeah. They do. They, they just, they, they're, they're like, okay, well, how much is this injury going to affect the rest of your life? Yeah. And they'll, they have these certain calculations and percentages and they'll be like, okay, well, we're going to cut you a check for this amount of money. Cause this is how much detriment your broken ankle caused you for the rest of your life. But how would they said the cost should be zero. So that means that healthcare should cost you nothing. And now, can we play that out for a second? How would it cost you nothing? There's a couple ways. Either I go there and the doctor literally does it for free. In which case you'd have to ask, well, how does the doctor get food or housing or anything like that? How do you get his education? How do you get his education? How did any of that happen? So now you're in a society with no money. You're in a communist society where nothing costs anything. This is basically Star Trek and everyone just does everything uh, for everyone because they're such good, virtuous people. Or someone else pays for it, which means it still has a cost. There's just a, the price for you is zero. It still has a cost. Someone still paid for it. And so I don't know which one they mean. Should doctors literally work for free? Or should someone else be forced to pay for it? In which case, we still have to talk about the number. Because well, you're forcing you someone else to pay for it. You have researchers. I mean, do yeah. they work for free too? The, the, and the construction people who built the hospitals. Mm -hmm. The medical device equipment people who built the, the equipment. That fancy bed that you sleep on in the hospital that nurses inflates and deflates nurses. Yeah. Flip, flip, a flip, a bottomists. <laughs> hip hop, hip hop anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. No Nurse care. You give them all the easy ones. Nurse anesthetizers. Nurse anesthetizers. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> they all need all those, those, uh, the ventilators. Mm -hmm. I mean, where do you think those come from? Where, where this basically goes is there's a reason when you read basic economics, the first thing he talks about is why we use money. And it's very important that he started that way because he knows the very basis. One of the first video series I did on our Facebook page was why we use money. Because down to the very basis of all of these people's ideas, it goes down to it is evil that we use money in the first place and that we shouldn't use it. And everything should be free or everything should be traded all the time, which is just... Anyway, well, cookie, don't use money then. Go yeah. to your doctor and be like, "Hey, can I so can I knit you a hat yeah. for Christmas?" Yeah, and uh, give me. Uh, well, you look at this toe; it smells funny. The dogs are bothering with it, <laughs> and see if your doctor will trade for that. You don't have to use money. Well, the problem is he's a, in a terrible system where the doctor isn't going to take that because a lot of other people will have money. So now he's forced to have money through force. And you that's know, not, just well, that's not, well, but that's not true. You can still barter these days. Sure. You sure. know, there's all kinds of ways like, Hey, if I do this for you, will you do that for me? Mm -hmm. That's still a, that's still a transaction folks. That is still money. Yeah. Money just makes that process more efficient. That's how you avoid taxes. <laughs> that's did. tax free. Well, I mean, I that don't... transaction at least yeah. is tax free.
<laughs> but, Unless they make you have a title or something on everything that you're going to, <laughs> to trade because you still have to pay taxes yeah. when you transfer the title of that thing or the registration into your name. Right. So <laughs> I saw this guy on TikTok who's, well, of course, so there's a lot of people that have done this now, but you remember the old story when somebody traded a paper clip? Yeah. Well, this guy's <clears throat> trading a rock um, and he just. The whole country? <laughs> not like, no, and not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. No, I thought like you an meant, actual just a rock. I thought you meant E rock. No, uh, like a uh, rock. Oh, okay, like gotcha. A, a, a limestone. Mm, limestone. limestone. <laughs> okay, good. So, so he had this one pretty nice size limestone. Um, no, I'm not sure how much that was worth, but he's now up to a car. That's pretty cool. Um, and everybody saw the story <clears throat> that where that girl traded a paperclip all the way to a house. He's going from a, a limestone, a rock, to not a pet one either. It didn't have eyes or anything on it. It was just a regular old rock. Yeah. Like the kind that your kid would pick up and throw in the lake and laugh about it. And uh, he's now up to a house. But anyway, that's still now. I wonder when he gets, I'm, I'm sure he had to pay taxes on the car. How do you get the car? I don't know. How do you register it? Maybe he, he, he was trading side rocks to get up to the tax money. I don't know. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's, that's very interesting. It is. That is still just transacting money. Those yeah, things same just, thing. They just have a monetary value. They have a they have a worth. They have a value to people. Well, and it's one step deeper than that, because what is why is it worth something? It's worth what you can do with it. Is, well, but it's, all, it's but it's worth. also in in embodied in that product and service is it is a is a period of time mm -hmm. that one or multiple people spent on creating that product or service. Yeah. So inside it, it's hard to look inside these things. If you look real close, you can see Johnny, you know, his, his DNA somewhere inside of there. That rock. Yeah. Because well, maybe the car. Okay. Gotcha. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I do. Yeah. That, that's why money is just a representation of value of someone else's time that they traded instead of doing whatever it is they wanted to do to actually put time into developing that product or service. That's all it is. And it's not just the time because the time thing goes straight to uh, Marx's labor theory of value, which is that uh, basically, uh, you know, someone digging ditches is the same as someone working as a doctor or the same because they put the same time in their lives into doing this. So the time well, also has to be what someone else's time is worth to trade for your time. Exactly. At, right. At the same, it's at, multivariate. Yeah. yeah because yeah. it depends on what you're doing with that time, how rare of a skill it is to trade that amount of time. Uh, how much time did you spend leading up to that? It's like, you know, what... So what we charge for our services uh, is not only how long it takes me to get something done. It's also the years I've spent collecting value mm -hmm. to provide to people. That's why it costs so much if you want to, mm -hmm. if you want to work with me. But according to cookies, uh, people are not worth any money. Yeah, that's, the cost <laughs> should be all. zero. <laughs> not worth anything. So the, anyway, that, that's just kind of crazy. And I also think it's kind of it's kind of crazy. I don't know if we talked about it yesterday for people to do you know, when you look at the COVID thing and people are like, well, this is costing millions and millions of dollars per life saved. They're like, who cares? You can't put a money value on this. 
And then when you say, well, a doctor just saved that person's life and it cost a million dollars, you're like, that's too much. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you put a dollar value on people's lives when you say it costs too much to save someone's life. Yeah, it's the same. <laughs> same, same. Okay, so tell me a little bit about what Fee said here. We can double team some of this and, and skip through it. This is about fixing health insurance okay. itself. From Fee here, five ways to make health insurance great again, which by the way, we've done a video series on healthcare on the Patreon. So patreon.com slash Liberty if you want to see that. Um, and then also you can be part of the live group and the live show, which is fun. Uh, so, and you're donating to a good cause, which is Liberty. So, and then uh, all over the place, we've had several episodes on this, but it's never, um, never a bad time to talk about healthcare because it is a big problem. Yeah. So this is five ways to make health insurance great again from Fee. The two major problems with the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act are that, contrary to its name, it does not protect patients and it is not affordable. <laughs> this needs to be remedied in the new legislation. Insurance protects people against large, unpredictable costs. Instead, Obamacare-compliant policies entitle the insured to a free health checkup every year at a predictable cost, but require them to pay thousands of dollars in deductibles before they can access benefits for unexpected expenses, Everything from falling off a bike to getting cancer. For the lowest price bronze plan, deductibles in 2017 will average $6,000 per person and $12,000 per family, according to a recent survey by Health Pocket. Is that $2,500 less than what it used to be? No. No. Doesn't sound like it's it. It's not. The new system needs to be more flexible and consumer friendly. Here are five elements of new healthcare legislation for lawmakers to consider. Number one, allow all plans on the exchange. Obamacare mandates a one-size-fits-all, overly generous plan with required free preventative care, mandatory mental health and drug abuse coverage, free contraceptives, and no lifetime maximum. Combined with the requirement that people can sign up anytime, health insurance becomes quite expensive, with the young subsidizing the old. The answer is refundable tax credits for everyone, not just the poor. Health insurance companies should uh, be allowed to offer multiple health insurance choices, including catastrophic health plans for those who want to pay for routine costs out of pocket and insure only against major medical events. People should be able to buy insurance that does not cover birth control, mental health coverage, or kids covered until the age 26 to give a few examples. So that's, that just seems obvious. To yeah. Me. Let, let insurance companies make, uh, any types of plans they want and people can pick the ones that they want. I right. imagine like a drop down menu where you pick the things that you want covered. And you could do it for a certain period of time too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it could, it could, you know, imagine like health insurance only costing you 20 bucks a month. If you had a 10 year plan, you're, you're healthy. So from 20 to 30, you had a 10 year plan that was only for catastrophic events and accidents mm -hmm. where you wouldn't be stuck with a, you know, a $500,000 bill if you had to spend three months in the hospital because something happened. You should be able to do this like you do life insurance. Yeah. Like if you want to buy a whole term health insurance plan, uh, then then let's talk about it. If you, want to, if you want to actually make sure that you're insured for the rest of your life. But the problem is that we've ran into is that most people are insured through their jobs and that's the government's fault and they're sorry. Actually, they're not sorry about that, but it is their fault uh, that we most people get insurance through their jobs, which has completely ruined health insurance. And health insurance and health care are tied together, by the way, whether we, we want to make the distinctions or not, that is money available to pay for a product. And it is absolutely going to affect the pricing of that product inside of that market. Mm -hmm. So the two are, I know they're separate things. 
but fixing the health insurance industry will cause price changes in the healthcare industry itself. So that, that's all I got about that. Number two, we can end guaranteed issue under Obamacare. Insurance companies have to take anyone in and uh, anyone in any open enrollment period so people can wait until they are sick to sign up. This is similar to being able to buy auto insurance after a car crash or home insurance after a fire. Naturally, it uh, raises premiums. People should get a discount if they sign up when they are young and healthy and keep continuous coverage, just like car insurance and life insurance and all that. Yeah. Um, number three, <clears throat> give all Americans refundable tax credits for health insurance purchase. This is something we actually went through yesterday. We went, yeah, we bit. talked about this yesterday. This needs health care, health insurance needs to be tax free. Get taxes all the way out of it. Everyone who works Healthcare in the system, companies, doctors, nurses, all of them, all tax free. Anything that you're paying for, because guess what? Your employer, when they buy it, they get to buy it pre-tax money. You should be able to pay for everything with pre-tax money, too. Yes. Democrats are saying that Obamacare repeal will make America sick again because some will not be able to afford health insurance. The answer is refundable tax credits for everyone, not just the poor. Currently, if people do not qualify for health insurance subsidies on the exchange and their employers do not offer insurance, premiums come from after-tax dollars. So someone in the 25% federal tax bracket with a family premium of $20,000, the cost estimated by the IRS in 2015, would have to earn an additional $26,000 before tax to pay for health insurance, and even more if he owes state income tax. This step would modify the employer advantage to providing health insurance. And that's the same thing with uh, the tax-free health savings account, uh, all those things. Like, get, stop stealing from people. Yeah. That, and, give them more money to pay for things that they need to pay for. And this is, that's one of the reasons that health insurance moved over to your employers was because employers are allowed to buy it with pre-tax money. It's a write-off for them. Uh, and, it, and it's a nice it's a nice little expense write-off for them. They get to use money before they pay taxes on the money. So it's actually, they're buying with more valuable dollars when they pay for it. And so it, it just naturally shifts towards them paying for, for health insurance for people. And they get to write it off as, as an expense for their employees. And everyone needs to be able to do this. Do you want me to pick it up? Or you, yeah, you go know? ahead. Number New four. Matter of cuatro. Uh, allow plans to compete across state lines. I just wanted to include everybody in this podcast. Yes, just in case. Breaking down barriers to national competition and insurance, which by act of Congress is still regulated by the states, would enhance competition and give consumers more choices, just as consumers are allowed to buy goods and services from companies in other states. Uh, Prospective purchasers should be told the state of origin so they can seek information about the vigor of each state's regulation. So that seems to be an obvious one. I don't understand why something this simple has not gone through, how anyone can think it's a good idea for, for me to only be able to buy from Blue Cross Tennessee, which is like your only option. I mean, we, we, we allow the government to create these monopolies all over the well, place. Well, what's interesting is those on the left would say, oh, look at the evil insurance companies. Yeah. Well, the government has a law against it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane to me. It's insane to me too, man. So you're not insane for thinking that. Let me tell you what. Number five, accommodate pre-existing conditions. Now this one, the way they word this is kind of weird. And and uh, I, we've got some thoughts on pre-existing conditions. Health insurance companies should not be permitted to raise premiums for pre-existing conditions for individuals. About two, mil- two to four million people a year have uninsured, uninsurable conditions. About one to 2% of the U.S. population of 313 million 
Uh, under the ACA, these individuals are insured with everyone else, raising general insurance costs, of course. Uh, a broader choice of health insurance plans will reduce prices by encouraging insurance companies to compete for clients. In order to enable companies to offer health insurance with low-cost premiums to the general public, those with severe illness could be given the option of special health insurance programs through the state known as risk pools. So when I was looking at solutions for pre-existing conditions and covering those, um, they did talk about the state risk pools, and they talked about how those didn't work because some of them did have that. And we have to remember, a state creating a risk pool is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this glorious website where you can join up with people who are of good health and mm -hmm. you can create a plan that's got 10 people on it. The people here in this Patreon group can create or, can create our own plan and we can allow a couple people in that risk pool that have pre-existing conditions and we can all pay a, a generally affordable price when we do that. And if someone else ends up having a pre-existing condition, well, they can shift on to another risk pool that, that can be created from other risk pools that have a bunch of healthy people in them and maybe too many healthy people in them and they can be take one out of each one of them and take on a, another pre-existing condition person. Like the the ideas here, it, it would just be endless. It would be like be like the like the market, be like trading insurance plans. It'd be like trying to group people together into these pools. Would it'd be amazing? And you'd be able to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. You like to do it yourself. Like you you would be able to do that. So I think that that is a really good way to fix this. And then the other one is. Get rid of the Galdern taxes for these companies. And number one, any money that a insurance company spends on someone who has a pre-existing condition needs to be a 100% write-off on their taxes. Uh, that way, they will be incentivized to take people who have pre-existing conditions. Not that they will still be able to make money off of them or anything like that, but I think that person could pay what everyone else is paying and whatever the insurance company loses on them because they had a pre-existing condition, 100% write-off immediately. Yeah. I, I don't know why we can't just do this. I don't know why, like you said yesterday on the infamous shit show, was uh, that we steal the money from everyone and then we try to allocate it out to the people we think need it. Like, why don't we just stop taking the money in the first place yeah. and allow people to fix these problems? It's like, know. you know, it's like a list of steps of how to fix things. Yeah. And like number one is, is, um, don't steal people's money. <laughs> yeah. And then number two, like you go down this long list and then number 10 <clears throat> says stop after number one. Yeah. <laughs> so like nothing else really matters if you just stop taking people's money to begin with. Yeah. It would, it would be like, uh, if we were, I mean, you do this with the minimum wage a little bit. I think people do. If Congress, if the government were going to take 20% of people's earnings, like that's step one. And then step two is we need to create a law that will somehow create a pay bump for everyone, roughly 20% in their earnings. <laughs> and just like, why don't you take step one off of there? Yeah. Actually, that's be like a 25% increase in their earnings. But you know what I mean? Like stop doing step one and then you won't have to do step right. two. Right. It's just, it's just that makes know, too much sense. Yeah. I don't, and you're then, right. Then we you're right. Uh, after that, we wouldn't need the government, so oh. we wouldn't need to be. We wouldn't even need to vote. My bad. We wouldn't be in this election debacle. And you know what? Humans like problems. Yeah, they yeah. do like problems. We don't. We don't want everything to be solved, because well, then what would we? What would we do? Then we'd have to create new problems. We would have to create problems <laughs> to solve. So 
the bottom line is there are solutions to this problem that don't involve just forcefully taking money from other people and out of the economy and then spending this on insurance or healthcare. And by the way, the base cost of healthcare still increasing all the time and never addressing that problem whatsoever. Like, that is just a problem that your kids are going to have to deal with. And you're saying, I don't care. I want to deal with right now. Fix this right now. I don't care who comes 20 years after me. I want this right now. And the problem is you're suffering from someone else 20, 30 years ago saying that about you. And so at some point in time, we have to fix this problem. Yeah. And just putting a Band-Aid on the issue or taking money from one person and shoveling it towards the industry and never addressing why the costs are so high in the first place is never going to actually solve it at all. And I want to solve it. I do. I could have agreed more. <laughs> all right, guys, if you are interested in trading stonks, go to mastermystonks.com. Com. Had some good ones that weren't really good one today. Look at FTEK. That was a good one, huh, Jeff? That was fun. Anyway, if you are interested in figuring out some of the strategies that we trade, learning how to read charts, learning how to use a brokerage system, all these things, there are 250 videos or more on the website and new ones getting put on there almost every day, at least every day when I want to. And so if you are interested then go to mastermystonks.com or mastermytrades.com if you want to do that. Get started now. Take control right now. Yeah, listen to the people that are in the group. You know, there are, uh, Nate is, a, he's one of the greatest stonk teachers there is out there. I thought yeah. you were going to say in Liberty Trading Academy, I was one of the best teachers. <laughs> also, yeah. I mean, in Liberty Trading Academy as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm talking across the markets. Top two, at least. Yeah. It's, so. You know why it is? Because I'm not trying to sell people a bunch of BS. Like what you get, what you get when you go on YouTube and all this are a whole bunch of get-rich-quick schemes. And the thing is, trading, it's not, for mechanically, it's, it's learnable, very learnable. But mastering the emotions that go on and making sure that you can actually trade a strategy and, and you know, actually being disciplined, that's not easy. And a lot of people are selling you a gambling mentality that you can take a few hundred bucks and, and uh, you're going to be a billionaire here pretty soon. And what we talk about is a way to grow an account by a certain percentage all the time or j just keep doing that. And over time, you're going to be very happy with that. As so long as you stick to the rules. Yeah, as long as you stick to the rules. I'm not sitting here telling you that you're going to be able to quit your job next month if you start trading right now. If that is why you want to trade, then do not join the class. Don't even go look at it, okay? Maybe some of you will get lucky, but that is just pure luck, all right? So anyway. I love you too, Jeff. I know I've been distant lately. <laughs> and somebody's yeah. got to, somebody has to make the money to pay for the lap dances for the big guy. So, <laughs> but uh, no, and then I was, you know, another one of our students, Maurice, I was talking to him this last weekend and, and, um, and, you know, profits are profits. And so as long as you're sticking to the rules, because I've, let me tell you, I've broken the rules several times. And the only thing that's ever done for me is set me back, set me back from my growth. And so when I stick to the rules and, and I take those small wins, then my account keeps growing. And it does, even though I haven't been trading as much lately because I've, you know, everything else has taken precedent for me, um, which is why Nate's become the favorite for everyone, uh, <laughs> mainly because I've been, <laughs> I haven't had as much involvement. Um, but I mean, it's slow and steady. And then, 
you know, when you're making 1% on a million dollar account, because you've grown it, you've taken the time and you stuck to the rules, then uh, you'll be a lot happier than where you were five mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. and not only that guys, if you go out there and you look, the people that are charging money to learn how to trade in the stock market is it's astronomical prices. Mm-hmm. We have the best prices. Um, call us Walmart, if you will. <laughs> uh, I don't care. It's the, we literally have the best prices for learning how to day trade. So uh, just on the education alone, I mean, just learning how, what is trading about the market, everything like that, that you're not going to learn in school, you know, and even if you do learn it in school, it's going to cost you way more than it would to sign up for Liberty training Academy. So mastermystocks.com, mastermytrades.com. Go check it out. As I mentioned before, sign up for that Patreon group. Y'all it's nice to see new folks rolling in there. Patreon.com slash good morning, Liberty, patreon.com slash good morning, Liberty. Be part of the live group chat with us. Tell me you love me like Jeff did. Thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate that. Oh, and Patreon guys, this is for you. I'm going to mute out what the promo code is when I edit the episode, the new mask is a hot ticket right now. Go to gmlmask.com. I posted a picture of it, or we we talked about it yesterday. It is a real good looking mask. Let me tell you what. And uh, you want to go find that gmlmask.com. If you are a Patreon supporter, well, then you can put in the promo code. And here it is. I'll make sure, remind me to mute this. The promo code is, and you will get 35% off. And I'm going to mute out what the what the promo code is. Everyone else can still order it. Because I don't, just know, don't want people the- to know that the promo code was and you get 35% off. Yeah. All right. Everyone else can still order. You just don't get that discount. So, yeah. so patreon.com slash good morning Liberty. And then please continue to share the show, share it with a friend, share it with an enemy, share it with your communist brother. Uh, your Bernie, <laughs> your Bernie loving bro. Yep. Share it with them. And if you do all of that, leave us that rating and review on Apple podcast, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning Liberty. Ah, man. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know, uh, 